Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain, where each episode we'll sit down with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry veterans to discuss innovation, technology, and the most exciting opportunities in trucking and logistics as we build the future of supply chain together. Be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Sankar. Hey, ladies and gents, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar, and joining me today is Tom Lefebvre, CEO of Anchor Harvey Components. Welcome, Tom. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great to have you here. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to begin with uh, just giving our audience a lowdown on Anchor Harvey and, and what you and the team do over there. All right. Let me uh, give you a little location. Anchor, Anchor Harvey is in northwest Illinois, up in a town called Freeport. Uh, we're two, two and a half hours west of Chicago, 45 minutes west of Rockford, and then you bump into Freeport. We are aluminum forge shop, uh, and we will forge uh, different grades of aluminum, any component from a couple of ounces up to about 35 pounds. So we do get a kind of larger, larger size. Anchor Harvey's claim to fame is controlling the inputs into the process. Mm. And what's important about that is that the first part and if it's part number 15,000 will be identical. And that's how we structured our shop. We have five one-piece flow lines that are controlled and monitor each step that tells us what's happening in the process. And because of that, uh, the consistency is incredible. We can get a foraging through our shop in about three hours. And then the last part aluminum foraging goes through is called an aging process. And aging can take up to 12 hours. So when when the heat is on, we can get a part out in 24 hours if need be. So we go pretty quick. We don't have much whip around Anchor Harvey. And, and how did you get into the world of uh, aluminum foraging? What's the Tom LaFave story? I actually, I, I like to say it was a mistake because I grew up in a town south of Milwaukee called Cudahy. Cudahy is known for a big drop forge plant called Laddish. And Laddish divided the town right in half. I live two blocks away. And back then when their big drop hammers would, would be working, the uh, arm on the turntable, for people remember that, would, would bounce across the album. And, I, and for years I said, I'd never work in a place like that. So the last 28 years of my life, I worked in forge shops. I was working for a high-speed uh, bottling company, and I got one of those infamous calls. They had an opening in a steel forge shop. And everyone told me, oh, forgings are dying. There's, there's no future there. But the, the company was intriguing. They were trying to uh, change their capabilities. It just enticed me. So I joined them. I was with them for 12 years, last six years as their president. And then I got another one of those calls saying, hey, there's this aluminum forge shop up in Freeport. And uh, the rest is history. So um, I love manufacturing. I love the conversion process. It's um, it's great. I, I just, you know, I hope manufacturing comes back to this country. We see a little bit of it. It's just a great way to make a living. I love it. 
And uh, you you touched on on the consistency bit um, earlier, and I want to get back to that. But I did notice that uh, Anchor Harvey prides itself in in being data driven uh, Mm -hmm. as a forging uh, company. And uh, I would be curious, like, how has that traditionally been done? So, so prior to the Anchor Harvey approach, how, how have others done it or, or how do competitors approach it? Sure. Uh, you know, when Ford shops were, were, were first laid out, and a lot of them have been around for a number of years, um, they were laid out with kind of a batch and queue process. Uh, not many were laid out for high speed, single piece flow lines. So you would, you would heat the billet, uh, you would forge the billet, and then it would go into a tub. After a while, it'd be taken over to the trim department, they trim off the extra material, then it would go to a cleaning department. After cleaning, it'd go to a, um, a first part of a heat treat process called solution. And then from there, it would go to an age department. So you get these, these batches moving through your shop. Anchor Harvey used to do that before. It took us 21 days to move a part through our shop just because of all the batch and cues moving those baskets all around. And that's still pretty common in many forge shops in this country. And for our listeners, just to delineate, when we're saying forging, uh, we mean the process of pressing or pounding, squeezing metal versus casting, uh, where you're practically melting the, the metal and, and pouring it into a mold. Um, Thank you. Right. Exactly right. People ask me, what's a forging? I said, let me tell you what casting is first. Casting is you melt it and you pour it into a cavity. Forging is taking a, um, a billet, steel, aluminum, or, or other grades of material, heating it up to a specified degree, and putting it in between dies. And it could be a hammer or a press, but it's going to come down and it's going to squeeze that round billet into a particular shape that's that's inside those dies mm. and then it will release so we don't melt material in forging we just squeeze it into a, a predetermined shape that's in the thigh cavities and and, and what kind of uh, products like are around uh, our, our household might be going through this type of forging process um these, these uh, here's one that i was surprised of it hit us about six years ago uh, aluminum hammer i would have never thought so oh wow but there, there, there's hammers, uh, hunting equipment, uh, for example, compound bows, the middle part of those bows, uh, you know, you have your, your cam, your little wheels on the end, but the big part in the middle, many of those are forged here at Anchor Harvey. That'd be common. Uh, there are some knife blades for a, a big knife company out on, on the West Coast. So there, there's some type of household products that, that Anchor Harvey would, would tie into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly sounds like it. So uh, kind of going back to it, it sounds like, you know, traditionally uh, the, the way to operate uh, could take uh, several days, whereas now you're, you're able to uh, get a job out in a matter of 24 hours if, if it required it. Uh, I'd be curious, like, what is the culture of operations? How is it done at Anchor Harvey that, that you're able to compress it so much? No pun intended. <laughs> no, and, and, and good question because it, it took um, it took several years to get to this point. A lot of internal R and D, um, some outside consultants. From the time that we we bring our raw material as aluminum rod, different grades, 10, 12, 14 feet long. 
we will put it through a saw process depending upon what particular component we're going to forge. From there, right behind the saws, it goes through a cleaning process, and then they're placed in the tubs, the, the clean billets, and they are located behind furnaces by the five one-piece flow, uh, flow lines. They are loaded into the back of the furnaces. Now, our furnaces all have zones, four to five zones that where the temperature is regulated and it's monitored. So on the side of the furnace, and on TV throughout the facility, you know how that furnace is working. At the backside, when the billet comes out, a forge operator will grab the billet, take the temperature of the billet before he forges it, so we know for sure a verification that it's the right temperature, places it between the dies. We heat our dies. So our constant, there's constant heat on the dies. So that variable is very stable. Then when he steps on the pedal for the press to cycle, that press, we're measuring the tonnage from beginning to end. So we're looking for consistency. Then from there, instead of going to batch and queue, that forging goes into what they call a solution oven. And it just heats it up. And at the very end of a solution oven, it falls into cold water. And that's the first hardening of the aluminum piece. It comes out. The part gets trimmed, then the part goes on a conveyor to go through a cleaning process. And at the very end, there is a person down there that's going to double check the quality. And then they put that part into what they call a heat treat basket. The final step is aging. That's a heat treat process. And it goes right into the uh, uh, aging ovens for about 12 hours. And when it's done, it gets packed and out the door. It goes fast. And you know, so uh, it, it sounds like there's uh, there there's a lot of software or, or technology in place to uh, kind of monitor uh, each step in in the process and and aid the the operator, and that's what ultimately helps uphold the the quality and the consistency of quality. Yes, it does. Um, and if if for some reason if the operator were to miss something. There are TV screens with all the different units that are being monitored. Supervisor's office, production manager's office, engineer has one, maintenance has their own TV. And on the key pieces of equipment, our big presses, our maintenance folks have notifications that for some reason, let's say when these big motors were to draw an extra five amps, alarms go off on their phones because, hey, why, why is that motor drawn more? It shouldn't. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have certain internal controls, a little bit more uh, preventative, almost uh, kind of cutting edge. So we know, we know the status of the equipment. We like to say we control the equipment. The equipment doesn't control us. Yep. And, uh, it, 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 and that took years to get to that point. So you know the, the 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 topic consistency comes up, and and that's a big problem, especially when uh, you're you're producing large volumes. Um, kind of, how did you practically go about developing this type of process control system? Um, and I, I'd follow that up with like, why has it not been more widely adopted in this industry? Couple of reasons. One, it it takes a lot of time, and it takes a lot of expense. Um, a lot of our units were developed in-house proprietary system. 
our tracking system is a system that we developed to fit our needs specifically. So we, if, oh, it, was, it was years, three years really to implement, but the R&D process took several years in front of that. So, you know, we would start with one unit, work, adjust, learn, uh, before we finally rolled it out to all five one-piece lines. Um, so for a lot of folks in the forging industry, uh, they think that when you have a hot billet, you put it in between the dies, as long as those dies come face to face, you have a good part. And that's not necessarily the case because if that billet wasn't at the right temperature, the presser of our hammer didn't hit the right tonnage, the die was a different temperature, all these little variables can change that consistency of that part. And part number one to the part number 10 can be different. So machine shops that have hydraulic fixtures love Anchor Harvey parts because they're so consistent. Mm. They just know that they're going to put them in and dump, dump, dump one after the other. Shifting gears a little bit, um, raw material sourcing is a sensitive subject, uh, especially as we come into this year. There, there's tariff issues. There's oh. a uh, consistency in quality. Uh, you know, how, how should manufacturers be, be thinking about this uh, as, as they survey their raw material procurement operations? I tell you what, I, I think COVID has brought extreme uncertainty and it's brought in uh, that many businesses are reevaluating how they do business. So for, let me answer a couple of ways. For Anchor Harvey's raw material, our aluminum rod, uh, we have become much closer with the aluminum extruders. We want to know about their, their, their PM programs, preventative programs, how's the health of the employees, um, what's their capacity like. It, we really have become much more intimate with our supply chain because if they shut down, we have a problem. Uh, we have also diversified that supply chain a little bit more with several other players just in case there's an outbreak and somebody shuts down. Now on a bigger global market, what we started to experience several months ago was uh, reshoring of aluminum forgings that maybe we made 15 years ago and they went overseas. Now we're getting these prints and opportunities to quote on work that, that has left. Um, so auto parts, hand tools, fan blades. Um, I mean, some of these parts look pretty familiar from the past. And the sense we're getting is they would like to dual source in the States and keep some overseas yet, mm. but they don't want to put all their eggs in one basket because if something happens again, um, their supply lines were shut down and yep. uh, you know, products up coming into the country. So they're developing domestic suppliers. So kind of uh, along those lines, uh, you, what are your thoughts on kind of the unraveling of globalization that, that some people tend to raise? Is that, is that a real thing or, or are we just kind of, uh, course adjusting for, for maybe some, some risk that we've inadvertently added to our supply chains over the years? I believe it's course adjusting. Um, something terrible has happened and it's opened up people's eyes. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, sourcing in the U.S. is a little bit higher, 
but to have that security of a supply chain that's there for you so you don't you don't have to shut down your your manufacturing plant for months because you can't get your raw material i think has changed the way we're looking at it uh you need a combination it helps dual source um some folks though depending upon the volume how many they buy you know they're single sourcing here in the states and that's it i'm not i'm not going back over there again but i think it's more of a course correction and uh, the prices are good overseas we try to be competitive but they're looking more like a blended price to uh, keep their shops going yep yep and uh do you do you see see that ultimately um benefiting the the existing manufacturing economy is it is it going to grow or, or will be uh pressuring where kind of margins are, are thin raw material prices are going to have to go up a little bit uh in in order to have multiple suppliers i'd, I'd be curious your your take on that well the uh, the end product could go up slightly in price because you're dual source with a little bit of the of the u.s i w- i would see that coming However, uh, when your supply line goes down and you're not producing any product off your lines, you know, that's a pretty expensive endeavor too. So I, I, I think uh, the trend has started. If U.S. manufacturing can become even more efficient and become more low cost, you know, and that does take time, uh, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see if, if more and more manufacturing comes back to the U.S., but it's competitive and you've got to stay up in your game and continually improve. Yeah. So, uh, you know, on, on that thread, you, you mentioned it, it does take time, uh, in order to improve, uh, you alluded to kind of the, the two, three year cycle, uh, you had to go through in, in order to implement your process control software. And a lot of this just has to do with the, the complexities of, of manufacturing. Right. Uh, and, right. and sometimes I think startup people, founders, uh, tend to get uh, a, a little restless <laughs> when when selling into the market, uh, but right. I'd be curious, like as as a buyer, as a, as an authorizer, um, you know, what what are the the types of things you look for when an external vendor comes in and they're looking to sell you a, a piece of software to improve your business? Um, look for a variety of things. Uh, nowadays, one of the first things I, I want to know is how long have they been in business. Uh, then I want to understand why is their product than somebody else's. Then I, I'd like to understand how can that product help Anchor Harvey? What would that do to make my business faster, more velocity, uh, easier to interface with? Um, I got to tell you, what, if, if, it's, if you can handle those first three questions, many times, you know, price is always important, but price moves down the list. If it can make the company a better company, a faster company, um, uh, we we like to do something that uh, we all talk about that we sell sizzle, and uh, you know for a customer if they see enough sizzle at Anchor Harvey, they're going to come here and they're going, hey, that place is on top of it. So if there's something that makes a customer feel that way, oh, I got to I got to work with Anchor Harvey, and then we're interested. We're interested. <laughs> That's well put. That's well put. So, you know, I'd, I'd be curious. We, we've seen this um, trend where uh, major manufacturers are internalizing certain parts of the uh, production process in-house. 
mm-hmm. and and kind of taking that away from contract manufacturers uh, that that are adjacent to them. What's the key to kind of staying relevant in in a world shifting in in that direction? You you have to keep on changing and offering value to your customers. So especially in a contract manufacturer, you know what what is that value when you cover twenty five different industries? Uh, that can be pretty tough. So we have our process control and our consistency. We're already charting our course for the next round of Anchor Harvey that we're going to be offering to the market that will attract a broader base of uh, different uh, materials we'll be using and offering more near net forgings. And uh, we're looking already what's going to be the next item as a company we have to offer to our marketplace. Because if, as you know, if you're not growing and developing, you're going. So, yeah, we have some stuff on the burner already for like the next evolution of Anchor Harvey. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, to, to kind of uh, wrap it all up, you know, we, we've talked a lot. We've talked about like uh, the importance of constantly improving, the ability to understand that improvement takes time. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you, you have to constantly be, be iterating and, and incorporating technology uh, in, into an industry that's you know centuries old at at, at the end of the day when when you yes. trace it back, uh, but I, I'd be curious like uh, we've recently made an investment uh, around a product operations platform, and really kind of the the shtick there is to streamline workflows between stakeholders. I'd be curious mm-hmm. like how do you see these workflows getting streamlined over time? You know, putting humans on the high value. Uh, you know, urgent items and allowing machines, computers to focus on the more low value routine items. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest things that we've been thinking about is how our customers interface with Anchor Harvey internally. Why can't they log in, go into a certain portal within the company and actually place their orders see the lead times and automatically get acknowledged and they would see that and there's less data entry less working with employees internally so they would have that part of it and then their information could be moved through our system to make sure raw material is ordered and there's capacity and literally it would move out to the shop then and the people who run the saws would see that, oh, here's the next order. It's just in sequence. That's kind of what we're envisioning, that it's going to come in, interface with us, and move out through this to the shop floor. Mm, that that makes sense. That makes sense. That's awesome. Well, That's Tom, sizzle. that is sizzle. <laughs> that sizzle. is sizzle. <laughs> Tom, it, it was great to have you on here. We, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, I, I think we have a very unique... Um, set of uh, takeaways here, given it's not every day we get to chat with somebody uh, in the aluminum forging world. But uh, with that, uh, look forward to uh, sharing this with the listeners and uh, bid you a good day. All right. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you so much. Have yourself a good day. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.